Hey, everybody. Hope y'all are having a great, great day. Wherever you are and however this finds you, I just want to tell you we love you. Your pastors love you, that we're praying for you, and that we're really proud of you. I want to celebrate so many things that we are seeing as many of you in all of our communities are partnering with the, the needs in your cities to love on the people in your cities. And so whether that's been meals that are getting delivered or uh, medical folks that are getting uh, encouraged or the vulnerable that are being protected, thank you for loving people uh, the way Jesus would love them. And before we jump into the text and the content today, I just want to invite all of us to, to join our hearts in prayer right here, right now for a really special group of people. I want us to pray right now for all of our medical professionals, doctors and nurses, folks that work in hospitals, techs, um, because they are on the front lines and they are doing some of the most heroic work that I can remember in recent history for sure. And I just believe that as we pray for them, that the Lord's going to bring encouragement, refreshment, and maybe even some of you, you know them. You can make a list of those nurses and doctors that you're going to text today and let them know that you, you're encouraging them. But let's unite our hearts real quick in prayer. Father God, thank you that you're the great physician. And thank you, God, that you've uniquely gifted many with the heart of compassion and the ability, the hard skills to do the work, God, of medical ministry in these days. Thank you for the ministry camouflage that these nurses and doctors are wearing as they put on scrubs and a mask to help some of our most vulnerable in these days. Would you refresh them? Would you protect them and their families? And God, would you just remind them even now that they've got this opportunity in this season to be Jesus with scrubs on while they're loving on people on your behalf. We're grateful for them. We ask that you, uh, God, encourage them today in Christ's name as we say together, amen, amen. Well, I know that our medical professionals know all about this, but uh, um, uh, we're gonna get around the idea of testing in here in just a moment. I'm gonna tell you where this came from. I walked in the door of my house the other day and my wife, uh, she brings this word up. Corey says to me, hey, do you know what the word quarantine means? And I said, no, absolutely. I'm hearing it all the time. Quarantine, quarantine, quarantine but I have no idea what it means. She goes, I was doing a little research on the etymology of the word quarantine, and it comes from way back in the 1300s, specifically as far back as they can find, to boats that were traveling to the city, the port city of Venice. And when they got to the port city of Venice, that the, the word quarantine comes from the idea of a boat being made to stay in the harbor with passengers on it for 40 days so that they might prove to the Venetians that they are free from any plague that might have been on board the boat. And so the word quarantine literally means in Italian, 40. The boat would stay in the harbor for 40 days before people would come into harbor, into port. And so they would show by way of a test that they were not sick. And so what's crazy to me is I started to let that roll around in my head is that when you read the scriptures, the number 40, again and again and again in the Bible, is about the idea of testing. 40 equals testing. Think about this. It was Noah and his family that was on the ark for 40 days and nights during the time of the great flood. It was Moses who was on the backside of the wilderness for 40 years before he met God in the burning bush. God tells him to go to Israel and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And then it was 40 years that God's people, Israel, spent wandering in the desert. It was a season of testing. It was 
40 days that Jesus was tested during the time of fasting by temptation when Satan came and tested him before he stepped into full-time ministry. And oh, I just want to say out loud that we too right now in this season of quarantine are going through a bit of a test. So it's with that, I want to ask every single room, or if you're by yourself, you can answer this in the journal. What's the toughest test that you've ever taken? What's the hardest test that you've ever taken? Push pause and discuss that right now. All right, well, I hope you talked about some of them. Maybe it was pre-calculus or maybe it was one of those tests, nurses and doctors that you took to become a professional in the medical field. Uh, I've taken a lot of tests in my days. I've taken GREs and LSATs and SATs and ACTs and all of those. But you know what came to my mind when I thought about the test that I recall marking me was that time when I was 15 years old and riding to the DMV with my mom and I'm sitting in the passenger seat, hopefully, for just a few more times and go to go inside and take the written test and the eye test and then the nerve wracking part of getting in a car with a complete stranger in the passenger seat as you take the driving test. I can remember putting on my seat belt and buckling in and grabbing the steering wheel at 10 and two and having a little bit of panic in your heart because it wasn't a guarantee. You'd heard rumors, or at least I had, of friends of mine who had gone to take the driving test and not passed. And then we started talking about this sermon just the other day, and I got to hear about my friend Dan Leanne, who didn't pass the driving test for three attempts until he finally got his license, and you'll have to ask him about that one day. But here's what happens. You go out in the drive, and you, you're, you're riding. You get on the interstate. You get off the interstate. You exit right. You exit left. You get in the parallel parking. You back up. You pull in. You do all the things, and you pull back in the parking lot, and the test is over. You look over, and I can remember the, remember the nervous feeling in my heart as the clipboard's being filled out, and the final um, tally is added up, and the demerits are taken, and then the, the, the tester turns to you and says, you've passed. And you go inside with a big smile on your face and joy in your heart as you take that driver's license picture, and you walk out with a fresh new driver's license I remember going home with my mom and just smiling once we got home because I got to take the car out on my own for the very first time. Roll the windows down, turn the music up, and went to the local gas station to get a Gatorade. Didn't have any reason to drink a Gatorade other than I had the ability now to drive on my own because I had passed the test. You know, that's what I'm believing this time is, is we are being tested in these days is that there's going to be some great joy in our hearts because many of us are passing some tests. And where do we get that idea? It comes from the scriptures. If you've got a Bible in your, uh, in your home, I want you to open it up to James chapter one, James chapter one, verses two and following. It says this, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, my sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let that steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The intent of tests is to produce something. That's what the scripture tells us. All of our teachers that are out there and administrators that are out there, they teach not just to teach, not to beat their students down. They teach their students in order to produce something in them. And that, that should stir faith in us as we look towards the future because 
all of life is a test. That's what the text tells us. But this is a unique test that we're in in these days of quarantine. And I want to ask a question in your room. What are you hoping that these days produce in you? Why don't you ask that question right now in your journal or in your living room or wherever you are? What are you hoping that these days produce in you? Well, that's great. I hope you had some great conversation and time. I know that these days are producing things, but what we want to do in this series, and I want to finish up our talk today, is give you a strategy for beginning to determine what these days will produce, because there is so much in these days that is out of control, right? I mean, even things that we thought were consistent are now completely disrupted. You know, what comes to your mind when I Talk about the thing that's been disrupted. Maybe it's the, the Masters. You know, I, I used to look forward to the Masters and watching the golf tournament every year uh, right around Easter is the green grass of Augusta and the big azaleas and the, the beauty of the Masters. And I, I know a lot of you, maybe you missed the Masters. It's been disrupted. It's out of our control. Maybe it's March Madness. I know I'm a Duke fan and I love Coach K and I love watching March Madness basketball and all of those games that are being played back to back to back and it's been disrupted. It's out of our control. School seemed like it was one of the more consistent things that was in control and it was consistent, but now it's completely disrupted. It's out of our control. Um, work and the way we used to do work in meetings, church, the way we used to gather, there's so much that is out of control, but I want you to know something. As we begin going into this conversation of testing and what it produces, the strategy has everything to do with you and I beginning to control the controllables. I want you to write that phrase down. Control the controllables. There's a lot out of our control, but there are some things that you and I get to control. And namely, the things we get to control is the space between our ears. We get to control what's going on in our heads. And that's where I want you to focus these days so that you might be able to believe and see that there's gonna be great things produced in the days ahead. Where do I get this idea? It's not just something I've come up with. It comes from the scriptures. Romans chapter 12, verses one and two say it really clearly. Here's what the Bible tells us. It says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, let me just pause and time out real here. This is Paul writing to the church. And so if you're a Christian, he's talking to you that you and I are called to have lives of worship and he wants to appeal to us by the mercies of God to present our bodies as acts of worship. Now, watch what he does in verse two because he's gonna tell us the strategy for controlling the controllables. Here it is. It says this in verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, comma, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Two things that he talks about. The first one is being conformed. Let me show you something. This is the idea of conformed, a little image. It's a cookie cutter, a gingerbread stamp, conformed to the pattern, right? I mean, Maybe you've made cookies with your family. Maybe you will today because we're talking about it. But when you make a cookie with a, a cookie cutter, it's just, it conforms, right? You just stamp, 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 stamp. And Paul tells us, the scripture tells us that there will be people that will be conformed to the pattern of this world. 
we're in the middle of this season and there will be people that will be conformed by fear because that's one of the patterns of this world. People will be conformed by anxiety because that's a pattern. Depression, that's a pattern of this world. There's so much right now going on that can conform our lives, our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions right now conformed to the pattern of this world. But he goes on and he says, there's another word. That word is transformed. Come on, somebody. Anybody out there a Transformer fan? Maybe you watched some uh, Michael Bay. Bumblebee is his most recent one. Transformers. All right, look at this. Conformed or transformed. He says that we get to opt in to determine which path we want to take. Here's the truth. All of us will get to the side, uh, uh, the other side of this testing and we will be changed. You get to determine by what's going on between your ears, which path you're going to take. Are you going to take the path of conformity and allowing the world to tell you and you just react and respond to your Facebook social media feed, the talking heads on 24-7 news, the Marco Polo group text that you're in, or, or, or whatever's going on in your workflow emails, are you going to be conformed by the pattern of this world or would you be transformed into something new? Now, there's a key. There's a key here. And he goes on to say that the transformation happens by the renewing of our minds. And that's why I want all of us to recognize that a lot's out of our control, but there is something we can control and we must. The Lord expects us to, Christian, control what's happening in our mind. And I want to point out four areas that you can begin to pay close attention to that all find their root in our mind. Here's the four areas. The four areas are our thoughts. Number two, our words. Number three, our actions. Number four, our attitudes. All right? Thoughts, words, actions, attitudes. Thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes. All of those are determined by what happens between the, the space between our ears, what's going on in our minds. And the Bible tells us that we can be renewed so that we don't conform, but instead, like who wants to do this anyway? I mean, nobody wants to look like this. You look like everybody else. You talk like everybody else. You're scared like everybody else. You're panicking like everybody else. You're leaning into the stock market like everybody else. No, 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 no. We're gonna step into the other side of this test and be transformed by the renewal of our mind. Our thoughts will be different. Our words will be different. Our attitudes are different. Our actions are different. So here's a question I want to ask you. The third and final question for you today is just simply this. What can you do this week to renew your mind? Well, I hope you got a little bit of a game plan. Some of you I know are already on top of this, but we want to partner in any way we can as a church to help you in this space, especially over the days ahead, whether it's with playlists or sermon content, daily devos that we're doing every single day. We want to create just this momentum of mindfulness, of controlling and renewing the things that are happening in our minds so that our words are different, our attitudes are different, our, our actions are different, our thoughts are different because our mind has been renewed. Uh, I, I was having this conversation with my wife and one of the things that we're doing at our house and I'll commend it to you, it's super, super practical, is we're trying to be mindful of, of recognizing the language of I have to 
And every time we would say, I have to, instead changing it to, I get to. So maybe it looks like this. I have to stay home because of the quarantine. I get to spend time with my family. I, I have to work from the house during the week. I don't get to go into the office to, you know, I get to prepare more meals at the house with my kids. I have to, to I get to. Super practical, I commend it to you. It's one of the ways that we're renewing our minds, believing that our actions and attitudes, our words and our thoughts are gonna be different because we're gonna own the space between our ears because we get the opportunity to control the controllables, controlling our thoughts. You know, as we move forward into the days ahead, I want you to know that our church is doing everything we can to partner with you in this space. But right now, in every living room, if you're watching this and you're driving down the road and you can do it safely, or, or maybe you're in your apartment complex, I want you right now just to put everything down and just put your hands up on your head. And we're gonna, we're gonna pray for our minds. We're gonna take control of the thoughts that we have. We're gonna take control of the, the things that are entering in all day long, okay? So we're just gonna put our hands on our head and I just wanna lead us in a prayer on all of our living room spaces and in every room we're in, okay? Let's pray right here. Let's just say, dear Jesus, I don't wanna be conformed. I wanna be transformed. And I recognize that that happens by renewing my mind. So Lord, help me this week. Help us this week to be aware of the thoughts that stay in our heads. Help us to be aware of the attitudes that we're holding in our hearts. Father God, give us an awareness of the words we're speaking and the actions we're taking as we work in these days to renew our minds. Thank you for the power you've given us to control the controllables. And we are expectant as we believe for lots of change in the days ahead, not conforming to the patterns of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Thank you for this trial and test. We're looking forward to the joy of what it produces. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.